sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Our topic today is a case that has just been filed in the U.S. Supreme Court. Very important case that may well determine the fate of Americans with religious beliefs and values and their rights in the workplace. Our guest today to talk about it is Randy Wenger. Chief Counsel of the Independence Law Center in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So, Randy, for starters, tell us a little bit about the facts of the case and uh, how this came to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, several years ago, we were contacted by Gerald Groff, who was working at the post office in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And for your listeners who may not be familiar with Lancaster, Pennsylvania, think Old Order, Amish, farmland. And uh, Gerald Groff, not Amish, but somebody who's who's very religious, takes his faith seriously, believes that Sunday is a is a Sabbath that that's supposed to be set apart for God, and no works to be done on the Sabbath. And so, in trying to find a job, he chose to work for the post office because of the tradition that we've had in the post office of Monday through Saturday delivery, and in that that fit in well with who he was, and. Then along came Amazon deliveries by the post office. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, modernity brings all kinds of different changes and things you don't expect. And, and a lot of those things you just have to roll with. And, and so Gerald's way of rolling with that one when he was told he needed to start delivering packages wasn't to make a stink, but to say, Hey, can I transfer to another branch? And, you know, it's a guy who wanted to stick by his convictions. He was willing to give up seniority to do so. And for those of you who work in in businesses where you get ahead with seniority, you, you know, you're giving up something of, of value when you do that. But his convictions were real to him, important to him, and important enough that he was willing to give up a few things along the way. And yet uh, Amazon delivery became a bigger and bigger thing for the post office. And eventually, he was able to dodge that no longer, but he was he was smart enough to say, hey, can you help me out here? This is my religious faith. Mm. Um, post office, can you work with me so that I don't have to work on Sundays? And so Gerald, he's a hard worker and he was he was willing to work holidays. He was willing to pick up other people's shifts. He was willing to do the work that needed to be done. He just couldn't work on Sundays. Um, and for some time, the, the post office worked with him and said, okay, we'll just schedule other people. Don't worry about it. And that, that worked well for a season. Um, but then it worked well. You know, I'll give the disclaimer here. It, this wasn't just your case. It was my case. And I was, uh, yeah. uh, brought in because of my experience with religious accommodation issues. Um, we know when there's somebody good out there, which is why we contacted you. We're grateful for, for you being part of this. Thank you, Randy. So as long as the guy doing the scheduling could schedule in advance, yeah. knowing that Gerald wasn't going to work Sundays, he didn't have a problem. Right. It was only when labor relations said, no, you can't do that. You've got to keep scheduling him on Sunday. So then what would happen inevitably is, you know, they come up 
you know, Gerald calls in on Saturday or Saturday night or whenever he calls in. And now they're scrambling to cover, even though they knew. They knew week after week. They created their own problem. Well, right. And so sometimes sometimes there's madness out there where, where you kind of lose a level of sympathy. If you had a mom and pop shop and you had some somebody who was hired specifically to work weekends because that's when the business is busy. Sorry, I can't do it. And and you don't have you don't have that same sympathy level because the employer is actually looking for somebody to work Sundays. He wasn't hired for that. They were able to work around it and they created their own problem by acting like, what, you're not going to work Sundays? They knew he wasn't going to work Sundays and they had something that worked, but they refused to do it. You might say that's typical government, but but you would think in America we can do better than that. You know, in 30 years of handling religious accommodation cases, I can only recall one time when somebody complained they were turned down for a weekend job at a retail, you know, at a shopping like a mall. And they complained about it. You know, it was like, well, they couldn't work Friday night shift or Saturday day shift because of their Sabbath. One time in, you know, decades that we've had that kind of situation where somebody really, the job really just requires weekend work. Yeah. Well, Gerald is just a fantastic man of faith. Yes. He's, um, you know, an inspiration to us. But, you know, where I want to go with our discussion here, Randy, is first off, why should our listeners care? You know, I mean, Christians tend to be fairly conservative politically. And the Republican Party historically has been very strongly pro-business. And in fact, to be honest, our efforts to improve the law in Congress concerning religious accommodation have failed to gain Republican support precisely because as between uh, protecting the rights of religious workers and protecting businesses, Congress tends to choose businesses. And that's just been the history of it. But why should our listeners care about the rights of Americans in the workplace to have protection so they don't have to leave their religion at home when they go to work? Well, I I think it's part of a larger religious liberty issue that perhaps we just need to relearn every generation. Why is our religious liberty, our first liberty listed in our Bill of Rights? And I don't think it's just rhetoric that they put that first and put it first even before freedom of speech, which is a notion that, that we almost all, at least historically, have traditionally understood that, that value of, of freedom of speech. But if government can force people to violate their most deeply held convictions, what other freedoms do we get to keep? If we're willing to surrender that, our most important rights, the things that we hold most dear to who we are, Government can pretty much ask us to do anything and we'll just say, yeah, it's easier to get along than not get along. And so religious liberty is really a firewall. Randy, we're really here talking about can the boss make you violate your faith? Can they make you choose between obedience to the boss and obedience to God? And to me, it's a no brainer that, hey, I'm going to be a much more loyal and dedicated worker yes. because you respect my obligation to serve God first. Yes. Right? And this has been my experience that when religious people are, when their beliefs are respected by their employers and they're provided the accommodations that they require, whether it's to wear a headscarf or to have a Sabbath off 
or, you know, to attend a prayer meeting weekly or, you know, Bible study or choir practice, whatever it is. Uh, they're that much more loyal and faithful and they're good employees. But, uh, you know, this is a matter of businesses compelling people to make that choice. Are you going to put your job first? Yeah. Or are you going to put God first? And yet I think it's because some of us who may be looking at issues like this and saying, boy, I can think of, I can think of a bunch of different exceptions where you saying, I need to follow my religion ends up trumping the orderly functioning of a business. And I think it's the same sort of thing that from a government religious liberty standpoint, Scalia was looking at when he issued that really horrible um, employment division versus Smith decision. Somebody who was working within drug enforcement or drug type agency drug treatment ended up taking drugs for religious reasons. And the court really messed up, messed up our religious liberty case law. But I think part of it was was the way that we view religious liberty. And is religious liberty just this catch-all trump card that I can play anytime that I want to be able to do what I want to do? And and so for those of us who care about order and orderly society or orderly running of businesses, does that just mean we throw everything out the window and it's complete chaos? And it's not. And there's lots of reasons why we can tell people it's not. And and even within within the law, the way that the law was structured, it's that escape valve for business actually is is precisely what's at issue here in this case. What should that escape valve look like? And well, so, you know, there's been a lot of discussions I've been involved in over the years where people say, well, you know, religion, you know, you can't have an absolute right. You know, what are the limits? Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the escape valve. Well, here... The law clearly has a balance between a worker's right to practice their faith and the business that obviously they're in business to do a job. They have a right to get the job done and to make sure that the worker is able to do what they're hired to do. Right. But I have to tell you, I was on a panel for an American Bar Association program some years ago. And on that panel, there were attorneys for general counsel for American Airlines and for Toyota Motor Company. And they were explaining in some detail what those companies did to create a religion-inclusive workforce and to make it possible for people of different faiths, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, whatever, to be included. You know, so for example, on the factory floor in a Toyota assembly plant, there was a room set aside if people wanted to have a lunchtime Bible study or if Muslims wanted to go, you know, and take their breaks and go pray like they're supposed to do several times a day. You know, there was a place for them to do that. Um, really easy if companies understand that if you want to have a skilled workforce, you have to recognize that America is diverse. And part of that diversity is religious diversity. Now, you know, it's not enough, you know, liberals may try to own the term diversity, right? Uh, but, but, but the reason there's that also told, religious. Yeah. But there's religious diversity, which means you and me. Yes. You know, we may be diverse from the next guy in our beliefs. And I think a lot of this diversity um, discussion that we've been having through the years dates back to what is America as a melting pot and bringing people of different religious faiths together. And we've got to a point 
in America where we can respect each other, even though we have perhaps small or even gigantic differences in the way that we view the world in terms of religion. And well, this to me, up, you know, we talk about making America great. Yeah. And to me, this is the very principle yeah. that we learn to live together with our deepest differences. Yes. And I've often said, Randy, that, that what we do in interfaith work that differs from the ecumenical movement is about coming together and, yeah. and leaving our differences at the door. The interfaith work we do, and we see that in this case because there are groups from so many different religions that are filing briefs in support of Gerald Brock. Yes. It's because our differences are important to us that we want to protect religious liberty for everybody, right? A Muslim woman cares about being able to wear a headscarf. A Muslim man cares about being able to pray five times a day. You know, a Jewish person may care about wearing a yarmulke on his head. A Christian may care about keeping a Saturday or a Sunday Sabbath. You know, we may all have different things that we care about, but that's what makes America great. And it's a benefit to all of us when those liberties are respected. So again, kind of like freedom of speech, where, where what somebody else is saying may not be important to me, or I may not even agree with them, but the right to be able to speak means that we all benefit. And the same is true with religious liberty. The, the right for somebody who shares a different faith um, to not get trampled on is something that then protects all of our place in this diverse society to be who we are and to be able to live out what's most important to us. Well, that's a great point to end on. I've lost track of time. So uh, we've been talking with Randy Wenger, Chief Counsel of the Independence Law Center. As we close, remember at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate, all one word, churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association, producer of Freedom's Ring on the web at religiousliberty.info. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Runnock. Until next week, let freedom ring.